This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found financial tech in the Guide Rock Capital Management Commentary, recorded on December 31st, 2013. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Gallup campus here in Omaha, Nebraska, and we post the written commentary each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Financial Tech brings you the latest market commentary from the award-winning Andrew Hunt, CFP and president of Guide Rock Capital Management, located right here in Omaha, Nebraska. If you'd like to receive a free copy of the written commentary in advance, or if you have questions or comments that we can record and answer on the show, send Andrew an email. That's just Andrew underscore Hunt at guiderockcapital.com. You can also find us or now leave us a recorded voicemail. That'd be great as well. Just call us 402-478-8450. A new number that we're trying just to see if that makes it easier for you to get questions into us. Give us a call 402-478-8450. We also have all the links to subscribe to the show, both audio and video out at theaverageguy.tv. Andrew, last day of 2013. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Happy New Year to everyone, all of our listeners. Happy New Year to you, Jim. Well, like the mother of a bride reviewing uh, flower arrangements and fretting that a brilliantly sunny day could be marred by dark clouds hidden just beyond the horizon, pundits have been parsing the exceptional year-to-date performance of U.S. stock markets and fussing over the future. It's true, U.S. stock markets look like they may be headed toward a fizzy champagne finish, even after retreating a little bit last Friday. Uh, Through Thursday, the Dow Jones Industrial Index had closed a record high 50 times this year, and the Standard & Poor's 500 Index wasn't far behind with a record 44 record high closes, uh, according to NASDAQ. U.S. stocks aren't the only markets analysts are stewing over. They're also pondering the potential effects of higher interest rates. Last week, the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury notes ascended beyond 3% for the first time since 2011. It's possible higher yields and a potential drop in bond values, uh, they, they kind of work uh, inversely there, uh, will cause investors to seek out better performing assets next year. But you know what? That may not be all bad. According to Barron's, quote, is topping 3% a bad thing? Not necessarily. Considering the reasons for the 10-year uh, yields march higher, the Federal Reserve's decision to taper $85 billion a month in Treasury purchases, starting with $10 billion less in January, uh, is a small pairing, but it sends a big message. Maybe, just maybe, after years of recovery, a U.S. economy is returning to normal, end quote. Uh, returning to normal in the United States may not prove to be any easier than seeking a new normal in China. Now, we've talked a lot about China this year on the show. And uh, top Communist Party leaders in China recently implemented policies that give markets a more significant role in the country's economic development. Uh, Concern that the high levels of local government debt could pose a risk to ongoing economic growth has the People's Bank of China employing some unconventional measures to manage interest rates. Last week, those actions caused China's seven-day repurchase rate to rise precipitously, which triggered the worst case of interbank jitters since June's liquidity crunch in China. Uh, The People's Bank of China uh, injected fresh money into the markets on Tuesday, easing the pressure on financial systems and quelling fears about a credit crisis. As investors, it's really important, you guys, to remember that no one knows the future 
uh, and no one knows how central banks are going to respond to markets. So always take these types of predictions and pundits with a grain of salt. Well, there's been a lot of talk this year about what's the difference between a bull market and a bubble. And of course, during 2013, stock markets in the United States and Europe uh, are generally delivering very attractive returns. So it's not at all surprising, given our past, that talk of market bubbles is filling the air. After all, uh, bubbles are not a new phenomenon. They've done some damage, serious damage in the past. In fact, in the 1800s, Charles McKay penned Memoirs of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. Uh, his book chronicled some of the earliest bubbles, including one of the most interesting, in my opinion, Holland's Tulip Mania from 1624, uh, during which tulip bulbs were actually valued more highly than gold. Uh, fascinating. Go out, go back and read about it sometime. It's really interesting stuff. He also describes the popularity of the South Seas Corporation, uh, whose shares traded higher and higher on little more than word of mouth until the stock crashed. And more recently, we've experienced bubbles in stock markets, real estate, technology stocks, and, and other types of assets. So how do we tell the difference between a bull market and a bubble? Um, well, according to The Economist, Nobel laureate Robert Schiller of Yale University uh, describes a bubble as, quote, a psychoeconomic phenomenon. It's like a mental illness. It's marked by excessive enthusiasm, participation of the news media, and feelings of regret among people who weren't in the bubble, end quote. They're often uh, enlarged by an expansion of credit as well. Well, Schiller, me uh, Schiller measures valuation levels using cyclical adjusted price-to-earnings ratios, or CAPES. According to Barron's, Schiller's CAPE for the S&P 500 index was at 21 in January 2013. That was higher than its long-term average and lower than its recent trend. So U.S. equities were somewhere between neutral and significantly overvalued. Since January 2013, some U.S. stock markets have delivered returns in the double digits, pushing the Schiller CAPE toward 25. On the face of it, U.S. equities appear to be highly valued. However, in December, The Economist reported Schiller was, quote, not yet ready to declare a bubble in American equities. There's nothing like the same excitement about shares that was seen in the late 1990s. Net flows into mutual funds only just turned positive this year. Another measure of public indifference is CNBC, a television station that tracks the financial markets. It actually suffered its lowest ratings since 2005 in the third quarter, end quote. So is this a bubble or a bull market? The, ex the experts aren't certain, so keep your eyes peeled for signs of irrational exuberance. All right, here's our weekly focus and think about it. Every day of the week, The Economist explains a new topic on its website. The most popular explanations during 2013 included, and these are really interesting, uh, what's the difference between Sunni and Shia Muslims? How does copyright work in space? Why are your friends more popular than you? How did Estonia become a leader in technology? Why are there so many tunnels under London? Why don't Americans ride trains? And how might your choice of internet browser affect your job prospects? That's it for this year. That's it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate you, and we'd love your feedback. Agreed, Andrew, and, and you and I have been spending a little time uh, talking and planning about uh, 2014. The podcast is We'll be alive and well in 2014. I think we have some changes coming up. So excited about that. We'd like your feedback on changes going forward. If there's things you'd like to hear from us, if there's things you'd like to see, 
different t topics, different kinds of information. Again, lots of ways to get that information to us. You can send us an email. You can send that right to Andrew, Andrew underscore Hunt at Guide Rock Capital. I uh, put that phone number out if you want to call that in, if it's just easy to pick up the phone, 402 Four seven eight eighty four fifty. A way to do that, Andrew. I have a quote of my own, which I, I found on Facebook this morning, because that is the keeper of all wisdom, right? And it's uh, uh, from a, a buddy of mine, Jim Morrison. He says uh, that is the greatest fallacy: the wisdom of old men. They do not grow wise; they grow careful. I found that very interesting, and in the sense that uh, I'll, I'll, this is one of those for me, anyways, as we head to the end of the year. And the way I approach the market, uh, I'm approaching it very carefully uh, going into 2014. Maybe uh, maybe not as wise, but more careful. Andrew, let me ask you one question about bubbles since you talked about it. Um, have, have you seen any studies? Is there anything? It just seems like these bubble, these bubble ideas are very cyclical, and maybe they're, they're, they're even growing shorter in the way they cycle. In, in your research and your work, any, any credence to that, that these bubbles come around no matter what we do, something becomes a bubble every certain number of years? Well, you bring up a good point, Jim. I think uh, the word bubble has entered into our lexicon because of our generation's experience uh, with some really large cycles, uh, specifically the real estate um, events and then, of course, the events uh, of the tech bubble in the early 2000s. Um, and so that, that language has entered our lexicon. But if you look at markets for the last 100 years, all the way back to the formation of uh, the stock exchange under the buttonwood tree there on the corner of Wall Street, um, markets have had markets have had cycles uh, of of expansion and contraction for as long back um, a, a, as companies were were traded, um, and so uh, and even even those cycles have larger cycles. Um, so if you go back and look at some of the charts, look at some of the data, you can see that business cycles and market cycles are real. Um, and uh, I don't know that necessarily a bubble is, is the correct language uh, for what we're experiencing today um, as much as um, a, a significant cycle. Um, I think bubbles have to do with, uh, when I think of the word, the term bubble, uh, much like Dr. Schiller, uh, I think of market exuberance, I think of uh, people becoming irrational, um, I think of, uh, you know, um, whenever your 15-year-old son starts talking about wanting to buy stock uh, <laughs> in real estate, uh, there, might be, uh, there might be some issues. And really, if you remember back, that's what it was like in 2007. Everybody was talking about real estate. Everybody wanted to move to a high-growth market to buy a house because of all the crazy stories they were hearing. And even on TV, you think about... Uh, the the advent of flip this house and, and all those shows uh, like that it, it just really shows that market exuberance and so um, I don't know if that answers your question yeah, no I but think so. market cycles are real yeah no they, they are very real it's it's uh you know I, I try to dollar cost average into the market just as much as I can to kind of play those cycles in and out uh, it's the end of the year many people redistribute their uh, you know or rebalance their portfolios this time of year. Uh, is this the right time to do it? Is there ever a right time, or is just is there a frequency that's best? What do you like to do as as folks go into rebalancing? Yeah, I'm I am a proponent of rebalancing. Um, whatever you choose to do, I suggest creating a system. Um, so just be systematic about your rebalancing schedule, whether that's quarterly, annually, semi-annually. Pick a date and stick to it, and do it every year. Um, 
that system takes a lot of emotion out of out of money management because remember when you rebalance you're selling investments that have risen in value and buying investments that have fallen in value which is effectively achieving the first rule of investing which is to buy low and sell high um, if you're doing that at a systematic date at a systematic time you're really taking some of the human element out of investing which I'm a big fan of very good so if you're not involved in that kind of system or if you have some questions about how to do that or you just like somebody you could talk to about that maybe you've been trying to handle all this on your own and you'd, you'd like a, a kind of a finance coach Andrew's available for that as well and you can send him an email Andrew underscore hunt at guiderockcapital.com if you're new to podcasting and you're looking for an easy way to listen to podcasts each week and this is a service that just keeps getting better and better as well you might want to consider using Stitcher available on any browser as well as both Android and iPhone platforms Basically, you can get it anywhere. It's a great way to listen to your podcast, both at home and on the road. That's when I listen to all my podcasts. I listen to a bunch of them every single week, and people say, Jim, how do you find the time to get those podcasts in? And I listen to them on my commute. So you might have a long commute. You can get that on your iPhone. You get that on your Android phone, your Windows phone, and uh, you can just download or stream those in advance. It's a great way to kind of catch up and use that road time to get it done. This show and all the past shows are available on Stitcher. Stitcher.com, search financial tech, and we say it is education for your ears. Be sure to visit GuideRock Capital, GuideRockCapital.com. Some new things coming up, just a hint, some new things coming up with GuideRockCapital.com in the new year, so you'll want to follow that as well. Follow Andrew on Twitter. He's just Andrew D. Hunt, and get all the show notes for this show out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Now, Andrew and I say thanks. We also say Happy New Year, and thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you next week. Remember, be smart about your investing. GuideRock Capital Management, Inc., or GuideRock, is a registered investment advisor that is registered with the state of Nebraska and located in Omaha, Nebraska. GuideRock and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration requirements imposed upon investment advisors in the states in which they maintain clients. GuideRock may only transact business in those states in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. Important information describing GuideRock's business operations, services, and fees can be viewed on the SEC's website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. GuideRock will provide Form ADV Part 2, which serves as the firm's disclosure document to all clients. Copies of Form ADV Part 2 are also available to interested parties upon request. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No current or prospective clients should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product made reference to directly or indirectly on this video, website, or indirectly via hyperlink or any affiliated third-party website will be profitable or equal to past performance levels.